4: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: On this episode of Newt's World, Senator Mike Braun was elected to the United States Senate, representing the state of Indiana in 2018. He's from Jasper, and before coming to the Senate, he was founder and CEO of Meyer Distributing, a company he built in his hometown of Jasper, Indiana, that employs hundreds of Americans across the country. He currently serves on the Aging Committee, Agriculture Committee, Budget Committee, Appropriations Committee, and the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. He recently was part of a Republican delegation that visited the border to see the immigration crisis firsthand. He's here to talk about his observations. He's also leading the way on health care reform in the Senate with four new legislative acts. Mike, welcome, and thanks for joining me. Could you start by talking about your trip and what you hope to accomplish and what you actually learned?
2: Sure can. And to put it in context, when I ran back in 2018, the border immigration was right up there with the high cost of health care and the economy. Uh, Those were the three big issues. So the reason it kind of faded into the sunset is because things were working under the Trump policy, so unforced error on a part of the Biden administration. When Ted Cruz said, do you want to come along, I needed to, because it was important not only to Americans, but I ran on it when I ran in Indiana. So get there Thursday evening, late in the evening. First thing we do is go down to the Rio Grande River. They wanted to show us actually what is happening, steady stream of young adults, kids, children, toddlers coming into the first staging point that is underneath the road that goes to the port of entry. Of course, we get there with a caravan of vehicles, nothing is coming across at that point. Getting ready to leave, and all of a sudden I hear heckling from across the river. It's only maybe 200 feet wide there. And I asked the border patrol, what are they saying? And they're saying, regardless of what you do, we're gonna keep coming. And of course, it was the coyotes and smugglers on the other side. That was a graphic way to start the trip. Next day, we visited the Donna facility, visited with local commissioners and mayors to get their take on it. And from start to finish, and it was a whirlwind trip, basically a day, punctuated pre-news conference later Friday afternoon by a trip up the river on three or four border patrol boats, in that half an hour span to 40 minutes, coming back down, noticed a commotion on the U.S. side where someone had attempted and they use rafts there with ropes tied to it because they get across the river halfway. The Border Patrol has to take them the rest of the way because that's the theoretical border between our country and theirs. I said, what's going on? They said, well, it looks like there's a little dust up. Oh, no, there's a floater meaning somebody had just attempted, in the midst of all that, that was going on there to cross, lost his or her life doing it. 4000 bucks a pop that we pay the smugglers, up to 20000 if you're more well healed. The Del Rio district, 54 different nationalities had been caught crossing in the quarter prior to our being down there. That's the magnitude of the issue. The Border Patrol said the biggest single factor helping them was the wall. Of course, it was abruptly discontinued. And secondarily, the stay in Mexico policy. That's why it was at a 45-year low.
5: There was an enormous shift from the policy on January 19th, when Trump had effectively interdicted almost everybody and, and created changes like the stay in Mexico policy. And what happened since then has been almost night and day.
2: It has been, and sadly, purely for political reasons, because if it was Trump, they were going to undo it. And on something as confusing as border security and immigration reform, it worked from the point of view of the people that have to contend with the issues day in and day out. Texas state troopers as well echoed exactly what the border patrol told us no substitute for being there. As soon as we got into the Donna facility, I was the first one greeted by someone from the Biden administration because we were taking pictures. And of course, by that time, several senators were in the facility. The only difference now is the chain link is down that Obama put up. but. The capacity has been breached to four to five times what it was before when the Trump policies were in place. Of course, you weren't going to keep 18, 19 senators from taking pictures and video. And thank goodness we were doing it to show what the heck's happening down on our southern border.
5: I sort of wonder to what degree this is deliberate. That is, the reason they won't use the word crisis is if you're a left wing Democrat having more illegal aliens come in isn't a crisis, it's an opportunity. You had written, quote, Biden needs to take down the welcome sign his administration has put up and secure the border. From your perspective, what are the kind of welcome signs the Biden administration has put up?
2: Well, from the literal ones of a arrow on the ground at the point where you get across the river with arrows that direct you right into these different staging areas, He has invited surge to the border and Newt. what really frustrates me is even though I've been a conservative in the trenches, building a business, I come from a place like Indiana, that's got a state government that works. You get things done on these hot political issues nationally. We get outmaneuvered so often by the Democrats go back to Rahm Emanuel's never let a crisis go to waste. And they tell you up front what they're going to do, and then generally have the political nerve to pull it off, regardless of the consequences. And I think when you say when you're campaigning, surge the border, we want you to come. And then you do try to mitigate it when they see the absolute crisis that's been down there. They still stick with their intent. And when you make it that clear, it shouldn't be hard for the American public to understand. And I think that's the way they roll. And this is one of many issues that we're confronting. To solve it, I think you'd have to try to get some bipartisan stuff done. But if not, I think they're going to ram through the Voting Rights Act first, and then you're going to see other things done legislatively once they breach the filibuster, including formalizing some of this stuff down at the border.
5: It was very striking this week that New York State has now approved a budget that includes $15,000 for illegal immigrants, far more than an American citizen would get. From your perspective, looking at all this, what is motivating that kind of what I would think of as a suicidal position? But, I mean, even Governor Cuomo said this is an invitation to fraud. And the people who wanted it said, no, 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 illegal immigrants don't commit fraud because we would get them deported. I mean, what do you think is behind this passionate desire to treat illegal immigrants better than treating American citizens?
2: You know, I hate to say it, but I think in the long run, they view anyone that enters the country illegally. And the proof is in the pudding when you look at how uh, they generally might vote, how states like California, when you look at the demographics of what's happened to a conservative state over four decades to where over time that has been built into the political landscape, they've got proof of how it works. Places like New York that share that same kind of general outlook when it comes to what you might do, even at the most grassroots level, to politically put yourself in a better place down the road, I think that underlies almost all of it. And they also know that by whatever method they use, if you keep doing it, it's going to push the demographics that we currently are challenged with as a party to try to get to come to our way of thinking, which is smaller, effective government that we know makes sense in the long run. But in the short run, I think they keep pushing these kinds of policies because in the long run, they believe it adds another voter into their camp. And that's the frustrating part about it.
5: Yeah. And in the New York case, apparently, if you register to get the money, you are automatically registered as a voter unless you opt out, which nobody's going to do. They literally are setting up, Then this is where H.R. 1, the Corrupt Politicians Act, is so devastating. They're literally setting up a system where they will recruit. I mean, if you're sitting in Guatemala and you read that illegal immigrants can get 15 grand in New York State, you have a pretty good roadmap of where you want to go and how much better off you're going to be. And then if they really want you to vote, who are you to say no? It strikes me that this is almost like some kind of bizarre science fiction movie.
2: It is, and underlying it, they know too that the places where illegal immigrants are coming from, it's probably demographically the only growing populations (laughs) that are across not only the U.S., but North and South America to boot, and they're good at that. That's kind of macroeconomics from a political sense of how you view the big picture, and then they use rules like you just cited in New York, what's already taken place in effect in California, and it makes a heck of a political hill to climb for those of us that actually believe that we need to maybe figure out how to address some of these issues in a sustainable way that you can pay for in the long run, but you're being cascaded upon by the way the system is being breached in the present. Very frustrating.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
2: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny
1: USA.
0: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
1: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
6: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., at lifelock.com news. That's lifelock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you
3: love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on AE Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iheart radio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote
0: there's a lot happening these days but i have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much
3: of your time
5: One of the reasons I was excited about having a chance to talk to you is, you know, it it seems to me that the Senate with its 50-50 split and with issues on this scale, there must be an amazing intensity in the Senate right now over what's going to happen and whether or not they will succeed either in changing reconciliation or ending the filibuster or something. As I get it, if they can't do something pretty decisive, they're not going to get things like HR 1 through.
2: That's true. And I think you can get a signal from what's happened already on the spending side. So reconciliation for taxes, spending, or debt. And let's look at the first act of the COVID relief bill. 10% of it drilled in on the particular need. 90% of it was part of the liberal wish list. And the infrastructure bill Which is so beguiling because almost all Americans view infrastructure as something tangible where you get some bang for your buck. But that has been stretched if you're giving it latitude from 10% to maybe 20% of what is traditionally considered infrastructure. But that's going to be confusing. And even Republicans back some of that to some degree. And I think they're going to smoke screen us with the dollars, that sense of euphoria, the economy is going to probably be booming in 2022, and they're going to risk bringing in these other policy issues from HR one to the Equality Act to the two crown jewels, Green New Deal and Medicare for all. And my fear is that once they breach the filibuster, they go for broke because they also know we can't undo any of it until we control the presidency in both chambers. And how often does that occur from the FDR days to the great society when you unravel something that you put into place?
5: I think that's right. The whole history of modern liberalism has been to take a big bite and then digest it while we're in charge. And then when they get back in charge, take another big bite. And they've moved us a long way towards socialism and towards a kind of woke anti-Americanism by that kind of approach. It's also striking to me that the president just uses words to mean whatever he wants them to mean. So they're now off on education as infrastructure, therapy as infrastructure. Anything they want to, they're simply redefining it as infrastructure. I mean, is that going to wash in the Senate? Is it going to be possible for them to get away with just totally redefining the English language?
2: Well, until 2022, we can't really do anything. We're along for the ride. And I think they will. And they've come out of the gate pretty smart because they've used COVID as the excuse. In my mind, defense is the most important thing we should do through the federal government. I still think it needs to be held accountable through audits and some of the financial rigor than anything we do through government ought to be. Safety net, most of us would like to see something in place. Of course, that's what's bankrupting the federal government currently, Mm -hmm. Medicare and Social Security. But then it's infrastructure. And their second act after the COVID relief bill, they are better marketers in my mind of how to use government than we generally are. And so often, Mr. Speaker, we are the party of no and refuse to engage. And if we don't figure out how to grapple with the demographic challenge that I mentioned earlier. And the reason I've been the loudest Senate voice on reforming health care is I did it in my own company back 13 years ago. I always believed no one should go broke because they get sick or have a bad accident. But I knew Obamacare was doomed to fail because it was big health insurance and big government. And then we weren't there with some type of Alternative, And I think climate is the same thing. Back in Indiana, farmers, evangelicals, just a broad spectrum of Indiana conservatives, especially young Republicans, want us to be engaged. And if we're not, I fear we get the runaround because the elixir of more government that we don't pay for will win the day if we don't come up with better alternatives.
5: You know, I happen to agree with you on this, but you're one of those people who thinks that we really have to have sort of an our solutions versus their solutions fight so people can believe that we're not just the party of no, but we actually are thinking about the things that affect their lives.
2: Definitely.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
2: is going on a road trip. I thought.
5: You've introduced four different health care bills. Could you just make a minute or two and talk to us about the four health care bills that you've developed?
2: They're based on what I did in my own company back in 2008. I was sick and tired of getting the same kind of reaction from my health insurance folks. I'm lucky it's going up five to ten percent each year. That was when I had three hundred employees. Now we have eleven hundred. They were mostly young, unmarried profile as well where you don't use the system much. I did a couple of things then. I put skin in the game for my employees from dollar one. I told them I'm going to try to keep their costs down in the long run, and I wanted them to own their own well-being prevent engagement with the system, keep yourself in healthy condition. Thought it would work? Well, it has. When people started picking up the phone or getting on the web to engage on the minor healthcare stuff, it's amazing how it changed a healthcare consumer from wanting everything paid for to being engaged in it. So what I've tried to do here is take those same things that have worked, by the way, we haven't had a premium increase in 13 years and lowered family plans by 50%. There's not another CEO that can probably say that in the country, but it's based upon transparency. The climate issue I want to cite that as a comparison. The entire spectrum is interested in being part of the solution, from transportation to energy, electric production, agriculture, concrete, steel. The healthcare industry, and Warren Buffett was right, a tapeworm on our economy, and they're dug in and have gamed the system, and Republicans defended as free enterprise you got to have transparency, robust competition, and engaged consumer. We don't have any of that. So I've done drug transparency bills, dropped a broad bill with some House members called the Fair Care Act, which is not even on this list, a pure health transparency bill that aims mostly at hospitals. By the way, the one executive order that got through from the Trump administration, upheld by district and appellate courts. That's out there and it's starting to work. And when it comes to where we mostly engage the healthcare system in the pharmaceutical area, even though that's only 15 percent of the total bill, to try to speed up the process on what the FDA does, similar to what we just did with vaccines called the Promising Pathways Act. Newt, there's so much that needs to be changed in healthcare. It's not free enterprise. It's like an unregulated utility. And I'm trying to put bills out there that do that instead of where we cascade to the Bernie Sanders plan.
5: So, two things there. You mentioned your company's experiences. Have you written on that extensively? I mean, can somebody pick up the track record and see that you're not just talking about theory? You actually have practiced this.
2: I've actually done it and I tried to do the same thing as a freshman legislator in the Indiana state house, but the healthcare lobbies were so strong there. I couldn't even get a committee hearing when the committee chairs were my buddies. Now in this last year, they've done some of that in Indiana. So I haven't written on it. That will probably be something I do down the road, but I talk about it all the time in front of big groups of healthcare CEOs, and to try to get the other side of the aisle to maybe look at trying to reform the system before they dump more government into it. Because if we did what I'm interested in doing, it would be less money for Medicare and Medicaid, as well as a private insurance sector. And it does work.
5: I'm fascinated because as a historian, I always believe that imitation is cheaper than invention. And I also think you look for people who are already winning and try to figure out what the principles of their winning are. You know, if you've got somebody either on your staff or back at your company who really understands this and could be sort of your partner in writing it out, I think just the history of your company's experience, and then maybe a closing chapter on your new proposals, I think that could be a historically important book in getting the country to understand that here is a real model You can look at this model online. You can talk to people who've been doing it. And I think it would be a real breakthrough moment in getting us back towards a market-oriented, transparent, and accountable health system, which I've spent a great deal of time. Since I left the speakership, I wrote a book called Saving Lives and Saving Money. And I've worked on a whole series of proposals, including creating the Center for Health Transformation, and I'm just absolutely convinced that you are in the right direction. And we'd like to work with your team to post on our website in our show page for this particular podcast, whatever's available in writing. So people can go to it and can begin to realize that you're a genuine pioneer. You're not just some theoretician. You're a person who puts your money and your company behind your ideas and learned how to make it work in the real world. I really commend you for that, but I'd urge you to try to think about how the experience of your company could be organized in such a way that every American citizen could have a chance to see that we could actually have better outcomes at lower cost with greater accountability, which I truly believe would be the biggest single step back towards a balanced budget.
2: What's driving our structural deficits would be Medicare number one. That trust fund is fully depleted in a little over five years. Every penny employers and employees have paid into it since the 60s. Social security follows in the early 30s in the same boat. And that's a question of political will and things that we've known actuarially for decades in terms of what to do. But I'll pick you up on that full of anecdotes like the day we went live And listen to how this almost gave me the chills when it occurred. When I had an employee that didn't like the fact that there was going to be skin in the game on a prescription. We had a $10 copay, which was costing us copays in the company, one-fourth of our total premium each year. And, of course, that was going to be gone for a $200 a month medication. It would have been, with the copay, 10 times 12, 120 bucks. 200 times 12, $2,400. I said, have you ever bothered to shop around for that medication? Well, why in the heck would I with a $10 copay? Within 30 seconds in 2008 or nine, he got on the internet and found it for 99 bucks without going to Canada. I said, this can't be true. When you engage with that ability where it's not being offered to you easily by the industry, you generally save 30 to 70%. The industry doesn't want you to do that because they benefit otherwise, but it's there. And that's one little anecdote.
5: Somebody said one time that one person's reforms, another person's bankruptcy, <laughs> because a lot of these systems are big and bloated and they rely on our willingness to pay far more than the real value of what we're getting in order for them to survive and be profitable. It's amazing.
2: LASIK surgery, which I looked at 10 years ago, close to 2000 bucks an eye. I'm driving up to Indy the other day for some event, $199 an eye from the biggest provider in Indiana. And it's an example where there is nothing other than a provider and a patient hooking up without insurance. Now that's a true market. And that is another example of what could happen if that was the paradigm across the board.
5: I couldn't agree more and we will look forward both to collaborating with your team and also maybe in a couple of months to do a podcast on nothing but the possibilities of a dramatic breakthrough in healthcare. And listen, thank you for your commitment to the country and for your willingness to go the, literally the extra couple hundred miles from Indiana to the border. And I look forward very much to working with you. Thank you. Thank you to my guest, Senator Mike Braun. You can read more about his recent trip to the border and his new health care plan on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newsworld World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, our producer is Garnsey Sloan, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review, so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com/newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Nietzsche's world.
6: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.